After all, this marriage has been named the Great Experiment because... Outside in this, I do not mix, ever. And that was Lady Danbury, played by Arsima Thomas, right before she received her title. At that time, she didn't know how seriously Princess Augusta considered the way the Tawn looked upon her son's marriage and wife. After all, to better reflect the royal family's intentions for the marriage, the princess decided to change the makeup of the court. As she notes, It is time we were united as a society, is it not? But uniting people from different backgrounds and cultures is never easy, and that's especially the case for Charlotte. Luckily, Lady Danbury will be there to guide her. I'm Lady Agatha Danbury, and to be on your court. And we shall be great friends. Be careful. You are the first of your kind. You must secure your position. Your Majesty, your focus should be your country. You are our queen. But Lady Danbury has her own complicated marriage to her old and status-seeking husband. Betrothed to him at the age of three, she never had anyone treat her like this. I realize you have no reason to like me. But if you will give me one evening of your time, it might make you hate me a little bit less. That's a reasonable idea. A piece is falling into place. those pieces might really be a house of cards. While the king can be charming, he also can be cold and distant. Why is that? 
And what does it have to do with who he is when he gets older? Friction ensues. Where is the king? The king cannot see you now. Charlotte, I require privacy. She's his wife. She should know. There is nothing to know. And those stern words came from Reynolds, the king's man, played by Freddie Dennis. So what's the dynamic between him and Brimsley? And could it be any worse than the dynamic between the newlywed king and queen? Not to worry, though. The king has ways to make it up to her. The king has sent you a gift. What is it? The dog, your majesty. No. Dogs are big and majestic. That is a deformed bunny. So that didn't work because ultimately... It is a nightmare. I hate everything about him. I hate his ridiculous face. I hate the way that he breathes. It is awful. Oh yeah, sure it is. What's truly awful is what's happening during the time of Bridgerton. Because when we're taken back to that point in the story, Queen Charlotte, played once again by Golda Reshuvel, has so many kids without any heirs. So she decides to actually talk to them to incite action. Charlotte, Queen of the United Kingdom. Hello, my children. And those feckless slobs are unmoved by her protestations. So she reaches out to two people for help. Lady Danbury, once again played by Adjoa Ando, and Lady Violet Bridgerton, once again played by Ruth Gimmel. Now, Lady Violet has always had an open heart, as this show depicts, and that extends to her views on love, which she likens to... The thorniest of gardens. <laughs> your flower metaphors make me nauseated with their sweetness, but I applaud your point. So, while we know how all of this turns out in the end, the question is, how do they get there? What is going on at Buckingham House? Your marriage cannot go wrong. What's happening? I do not want to fight. I want to fight with you. Fight with me. Fight for me. All right, Netflix with Queen Charlotte. You know what's funny? No, I don't. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd watch this one. This story interests. This story interests me. You know, I'm not really into these period pieces. It's not really my thing. But have you seen Bridgerton? No, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, well, keep that thought in mind because one of the questions is for this show: Is it for Bridgerton fans? Mm-hmm. Is it for people who aren't? Is it for both? Is it for neither? We'll come back to that a little later. Mm, uh-huh. I'm surprised. I thought you watched this with your mom or something. So maybe no. Oh, that I didn't watch Bridgerton. You mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It just I don't know. I struggle with things that are overly hyped um, when they come out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> Some of the love scenes in Bridgerton just make me laugh. I can't take them oh, seriously. Yeah. Not all of them in Queen Charlotte, especially mm-hmm. later in the season. But early on, I was like, here we go again. Like, Reggae Jean Page, you know, was the breakout star of Bridgerton and then left after the first season. I thought some of his scenes were hilarious. Like, what? <laughs> you know, doing stuff. I'm like, what are we doing? No and y'all know it. Go ahead and watch it again. Y'all know it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I can't take it seriously. <sighs> outside of the boudoir, mm. what about everything else? Right? So, it's called Queen Charlotte. Got it. Who is, as you saw, uh, the queen in Bridgerton? So this is her origin story. And it's based on, loosely based, 
on the real Queen Charlotte and King George III. So this is like an alternate universe mm -hmm. inspired by them. Now, the engine of this show is that relationship between Charlotte and George. It's complicated. I like that it's complicated. The thing is, if you've watched, uh, watched Bridgerton, you know <laughs> um, what's happening. Mm. So early on, like Charlotte is in the dark. She doesn't know what's going on with George. Right. So after they get married, it seems like he's going to sweep her away, you know, get on a horse and ride through mm. the sunset. But it doesn't work that way. Mm. And you'll see how it happens because some of the uh, plot points are under embargo from Netflix. So I can't mention it. Not that we would anyway, we don't spoil. So, it, but I'm watching it like I've seen Bridgerton. I've seen every episode of Bridgerton. Yes, I have. Um, not even necessarily because I wanted to, but I've seen all of them. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it going, I know what's going on. Hello. Mm -hmm. So it takes them until episode three to catch up with me, an audience member. That's how I felt. I was like, I get where Charlotte is. However, they had an opportunity here. They had an opportunity to do something that even Jane Austen doesn't do because we know a lot of what's going on if we've watched Bridgerton. So what I wanted was them to drop this whole mystery because it wasn't mysterious to me at all. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I know what's actually happening to King George here. Hello, hello. But what would have been interesting is to show her in the dark while we're not because we already know. Mm -hmm. right so instead of flipping it where we start to get answers about what's going on with george again starting in episode three why not toggle between the two her perspective and his and then the thing is we understand both and when you're in one perspective you're like oh no but he's going through this or oh no but she's going through that it would be more interesting as someone who has seen bridgerton mm. <laughs> or even yeah. if you just know the history of King George the Third, it is not a mystery. <laughs> I didn't mean to get this excited in this, <laughs> but in episode three, when they dropped it, that's when I was like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> and I will give them; they went deeper than I thought they would. They did. <laughs> I think that episode three, episode four, which continued that. I think it's some of the best stuff that Bridgerton, all of them have done all seasons. I really do. Uh, once they got there, I was like, why not just do this? Call it Charlotte and George and give, you know, that's it. Because hmm. this, whenever we have this genre, we have to think about Jane Austen. It's just, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know it's not exactly like Jane Austen, but Jane Austen and her sh shadow looms large still you got to think about how to break that up in some sort of way. So, you know, it was a mixed bag for me with that central relationship because I knew what the mystery was about. Not all of the particulars, but I knew. I knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. What's he doing in that room? I know what he's doing in the room. <laughs> I know what's going on. <gasps> but with all of that said, I do think overall it works well enough. I really do. They do have some highs. And I think for fans, once you get to that, those middle episodes, you're going to go, oh, oh, okay. 
they're developing this quite well. Now, in contrast to that are the Danburys. Now, we're filling in the backstory of Lady Danbury. Okay. Her husband is a fool. And he's a fool with money. And at this time in the Tom, you know, it was segregated. So they do, and I like that, don't shy away from your choices with diversity. Okay, explain it. Because you're watching Bridgerton going, how does this possible? And now, what is it, the 18th century? Mm. Yeah, it is. How is this possible? They get into that. I like that they didn't shy away from that in this alternate universe. Okay, explain it. So a big part of it is uh, Princess Augusta has got to navigate this situation for everybody so that her monarchy, her son, the king, doesn't collapse. So it all makes sense. Why is Charlotte? You know, that kind of thing. So, all right. Now, we see most of that with Lady Danbury because this is her life and her husband's life. Are they going to be taken seriously now that they're titled is one question. And then you have more following that because they are the first. Something happens in her relationship, which makes her the first again. And then she is like the queen's favorite. But the queen is worried about George. She ain't worried about all you diverse people. (laughs) So Lady Danbury every now and then has got to go, "Uh, hello, (laughs) we're over here. Are you going to do something? So, okay, that worked. But the husband, I think, was a missed opportunity. I think it was way too expected to make him just this old fart, you know, bumbling idiot who, you know, is grasping for uh, power and prestige. And he wants to be led into, you know, certain circles and all of that. And he completely doesn't understand uh, the, the resource that his wife could be. It was way too obvious to write him that way. I think that they could have taken a page out of Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. Both of them are flawed and both of them are formidable, but you flip it this way. What you do for this husband is we are not mistaken about who he is. That would be the difference. So make him really like this nasty guy who's smart. And then Lady Danbury has to contend with that because if she can contend with that, That tells us more about her character than putting up with a fool. So that to me was a missed opportunity. You know, essentially she's there to have his kids. Got that. You can still have that, but make it a man who's smart, who goes, this is the point of our marriage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know what you did, but this is where we're going. Give her more of an obstacle. Then you build her in Bridgerton time into who she really is. They do it. I just thought it was a missed opportunity. It was obvious to have this stupid rich guy and old and all of that. I, I was just like, okay, whatever. Mm. Um, now, early on, it's more lightweight than it probably needs to be. Then they do go deep. So just what you start with in the first two episodes into episode three, it's going to shift. It's going to become more dramatic. So everybody keep that in mind. I think that their balance of the two wasn't quite right all the time. Breeziness is its strength. 
for Bridgerton. And early on, it was nice for them to just breeze through some of that stuff. You know, all of all that stuff. Just breeze right on through it. <laughs> like, do that. I'm with you. Shonda Rhimes knows how to entertain our audience. Mm-hmm. Knows what she's doing. But then when you start getting the tonal shifts, did they always work? Not always. Again, my favorite episodes were episodes three and four, probably. Episode five, I felt, was dragging a bit narratively. I was like, okay, you get more of Lady Danbury, but the momentum kind of lost it, kind of lost interest. In the final episode, because it's only six, I think we got back to some new thoughts, pushing forward her story and the king and queen. But the king and queen are the engine. It's just a lot. Like, even in my plot summary, you can see, there's a lot going on here. Because there's even the present-day Bridgerton, you know, the king... We know where he is. The queen, the ladies, Danbury and, and Countess, uh, you know, uh, Bridgerton and all of that. So all of that. So there's a lot for them to wrangle. Uh, but with all of that said, it is Bridgerton. Is Bridgerton perfect? It never is. The question is, is it worth it for the fans? And then as we were talking at the start of this review, what about people who aren't or maybe haven't seen it? I think that for the casting, they did a wonderful job. Because you can see the younger versions, how they grew up into the older versions. And I know they took that very seriously. It shows. It does show. And I think that the young cast did a good job. You can see that they studied their older counterparts and they tried to, you know, blend themselves with who those older counterparts are. It's always easier for the people who were first. So the older actor, older actors had the easier job. So I give full credit to the younger actors. I think that again, Shonda knows how to cast though, so it's not a, a big surprise. Even with reggae, you know, all of that. So um, I think that Bridgerton fans <laughs> will enjoy this. It is a bit more focused, even with all of I said. It's brisker because you have six episodes. It's a palate cleanser, but you get the depth and you get the backstory filled in. So I think for fans, they're going to like this. I think if you're not a fan, the question is, will you have the patience to wade through some moments that are less inspiring? Mm. Like if you do, you might end up liking some of this better than Bridgerton. I did. I liked some of it better. Like, the height of this, to me, I like better than the height of Bridgerton. But Mm. it's a different thing. The height of Bridgerton is, you know, who is Lady Whistledown and all of this other stuff going on. Here, it's going deeper into the characters. So, overall, for its target, target audience, it's diverting enough, and the backstory is rich enough, richer than I anticipated, um, for them to really dig in. I think it'll be a nice little meal for them that's not quite the same as Bridgerton. It's very close, but not quite the same. But still, I kept thinking about Jane Austen here. Even here, it's just got to think of her. But regardless of that, it's Shonda Rhimes. She fulfilled the brief here, as they say, across the pond talked about how she's very aware of what her audience wants, what people want today for her audience. She knows how to entertain them. 
and how to conjure stories. That is her strength. She knows how to make up some stories and she has some good ideas in the show. Um, just my feeling of it, producer, to end this. If I'm thinking of, what was it, two seasons of Bridgerton, something like that, and now this, this might be the one that I would say is the best for me. It might be. Um, so, you know, criticisms, of course, but overall, I think they succeeded with something that really could have gone off the rails. Um, but it shows, again, that Shonda has a lot of thoughts. She's never running out of ideas. And you'll find that here. I just wish that we didn't start with that whole mystery of the king because it wasn't a mystery unless you are were asleep <laughs> during history class or during Bridgerton. So there we go with that. Now, after that review, the question coming back to you, producer, is do you start here or do you start at Bridgerton? Right. Because you were saying, OK, I might watch this. What, yeah, I'd start think? here. You'd start here. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Yeah, because the story, because I don't know, watching Bridgerton, I didn't want to watch it, but watching the description of, of uh, Queen Charlotte, I was like, hmm, this story, this storyline seems interesting to me. So. Yes, it might work that way and it might work better, hmm. interestingly enough, because you will not have seen who they are, you know, older. So all of that opening of Queen Charlotte might be more effective if you don't really know and you don't remember your history and all that other stuff, you may not even know what I mean when I'm talking about historically. So, you know, so it might work better. And I'm just thinking through it quickly producer to see if they give anything away really. And I don't think so. I think Shonda was smart in writing this. I don't think they really would spoil anything in Bridgerton really. So there you go. Yeah. I think you could start at Queen Charlotte. And then if you like that, Go back, start Bridgerton, and work your way forward. And you know, look at all the little love scenes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. For up to date info and to share what's on your watch list, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Why Watch That, and on Twitter at WWT Radio. Also. You can visit us at whywatchthat.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to go ahead and rate Why Watch That Radio on iTunes. Let's keep the conversation going. 